BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Get ready for a little surf and turf action on Midnight Run Through, a podcast miniseries devoted to celebrating the 1988 contemporary classic action buddy comedy Midnight Run, written by George Gallo and directed by Martin Rest. Co-hosted by me, One Heat Minute Productions' Blake Howard. And me, Jen Johans from Watch With Jen. Each week, we'll explore the film we first bonded over when we became friends in 2019 by surfing through an incredible roster of guests from journalists to novelists and beyond who love it as much as we do. Digging into Serrano's finances and Alonzo Mosley's FBI files, come with us on Midnight Run Through as we crisscross the United States with the characters played by Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, John Ashton, Yafet Kodo, Dennis Farina, Philip Baker Hall, Joel Pantoliano, and company on screen. Today... Our guests are. No, I, uh, hi, I'm Charles. Uh, I'm uh, Charles Hood. <laughs> Wait, what, what do you need me to do? What do I have to do? Just I'm introduce just... yourself and maybe Perfect. plug the show. Perfect. <laughs> I felt like we were in a help group for a yeah. minute. <laughs> what do I do? Uh, this is going hi. great. This is going uh, great. I'm, I'm, uh, hi, I'm Charles Hood. I am a filmmaker and a podcast host, uh, Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Um, and that's that's me. Hi, I'm Adam Pally. I'm an uh, actor um, and writer, uh, and that, that's 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 the only thing. That's that's it. I don't have a podcast. But before we go any further, let's kick things off with Jack Welch's old turf with the ultimate question: Why were you so unpopular with the Chicago Police Department? Because my wife is stripping the new captain. <laughs> well, that's that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Adam, Charles, why is this one of your favorite movies? I know that for everyone that has a slightly different experience, Jen and I, it's a friendship foundational text for us. Um, uh, Jen, it was a, an awakening of her, her youth um, to be so attracted to a young Bobby De Niro. For me, it was uh, kind of like obsession and uh, uh, of all things that are De Niro and, and particularly then going down the rabbit hole of like buddy comedies. But why do you guys love this movie so much? Uh, I mean, I've loved it since I, I honestly don't even remember the first time I watched it. I just watched it all the time when I was a kid. It was just on HBO or whatever it was on on TV. And I just I've watched it so many times. There's no recollection of when I started watching it. <laughs> And uh, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, it's just stuck with me for so long. I think I like re kind of discovered it again, like 10 or 15 years ago and then became obsessed with it and watched it like three times in the span of one week. Um, 
and it's just i don't know it's a really special movie for so many reasons i mean the, the uh, just watching it again this this week like the command of tone that Mar- that martin breast has on this movie is just and i've i've listened to all the episodes of the show so i know what everybody's talked about and <laughs> it's like yeah i mean like elfman's score I, I, talks about i have not, I have, <laughs> I have not. we were going to quiz like, you but there yeah. is a quiz. Don't. I mean, don't bother. I don't know what anyone else said. I didn't even Google, I didn't even Google you guys. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's good. a million reasons, but let's let's hear from Adam. <laughs> um, no, similarly, I think I think like, you know, um for for people our age, I don't know what we're called. Like Jen, what are we called, Charles? Like Jen. It's like Gen, Gen we're, I think we're, Gen X slash Elder Millennials. I think they call it yeah, geriatric. Of, yeah. Isn't it geriatric millennials? Geriatric millennials. Like yes. Yeah, so yeah. I think for for geriatric millennials, movies like were such a big deal because there weren't that many, you know. Yeah. And like going to Blockbuster was a huge, huge deal on a Friday night, yeah. and picking out the movies that you were going to rent and watch and bring back, and you wouldn't just watch it once; you'd watch it like all weekend and then you'd get it back again so i feel like this movie especially is like was like reaching puberty like uh even though it was made the year i was born i feel like it's one of those movies that was on in my house all the time that as soon as my friends and i found it because i think i think we found that it it has the word fuck in it it, the most of any movie (laughs) at least of that time for it held the record yeah so it was like a big thing to get your hands on and then it's just so funny and such a good movie that, like, similar to Charles, I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I can tell you that I've I've probably seen it a, a million times. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like one thing that I love too is like, sorry, I'm just my I'm gonna be so scatterbrained on this, but it's like watching that's good that's what you want for a podcast (laughs) i I just like whenever i watch the movie i always think it's so funny that like i love that it's like a movie from like the 1930s where like a single punch knocks people unconscious yeah oh yeah this movie it happens over and over in that in this movie just unquestioned just like one punch just just knocks a person out every single time marv even calls it out where he's like like a couple times marv is like well go to sleep (laughs) what is he doing to these people but you know, you needed that in these in these time periods. Like, it would be it's so hard to make a movie like this now with uh, with phones and stuff. You know, like yeah, they, and and they're really like on the edge of it, and they're using it to the best of their ability with like tapping phones and, and you know like f- wires and location enabling and stuff. They're like right on the cusp of it, but it would be impossible to to like you'd have to that would be the whole movie is like is out thinking the phones yes yeah and just making so that they couldn't be tracked on gps the entire journey Mm -hmm. or like you know it's almost like that whole tony scott enemy of the state i know charles is a big enemy of the state guy but it's like enemy of the state it's like they get they get someone on a uh surveillance footage or something like that someone's hacking here and all we can see them here and we can track them here and they rented a car from here and they use their credit card it's like all of that stuff is so nice that you don't even have to worry about it you're like no we're just in a world where they these people can't be found i think people our age still remember what that was like Like, yeah i remember not having a phone like i remember not having a phone at all like we had a home getting the phone number based on listening to the like the the sound that they make yeah it's like oh that's a five yep now people would be like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. Well, also, I think I think this movie also does something now that 
that you could do, but people don't, which is they shot for the most part. I mean, I think there's a couple sets with Dennis Farina, but for the most part, this movie is shot on location yeah. in America. Yeah. Like <laughs> there are major comedic set pieces in New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, <laughs> uh, like Texas. I don't know if, te- if they fake Texas because there's really nothing. No need to, but like Arizona. the one fake, the, the one, the one Arizona. fake is the river. The yeah, the one fake is the river se- sequence. Part of that was shot in New Zealand because, again, Adam, to your point, they were shooting all over the country, and because it was taking a long time for them to shoot, they missed a season. So they were like, "Oh, where we were going to shoot is now winter, so we need to go somewhere else." So they or flew five the entire- minutes of winter. Yeah, yeah. they flew. They yeah. flew. They flew to. <laughs> they flew to New Zealand and then came back. Yeah, no, totally. And like you, that's part of the, the magic of this movie too, though. Uh, yes. Similar to, it remind it, this movie reminds me so much of Blues Brothers and Once Upon a Time in America. It was like a big, this was, it was a big rush of these movies around this time. Yeah. And like this movie, better than all, shows you America at the time, like in such a weird, beautiful way that you're, because you're really there. You're really in Las Vegas. Yes. You know, which is such a contrast to the cutback to Chicago, you know, and it was like, it really does give you that sense of like, how's he going to make it there by midnight, which they also stretch out. It's like, which midnight is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like by the end of it, you're like, this has been a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's yes. midnight a, a little ways away, a little ways away. Nice stretch. Building off what Adam was saying, like, like seeing Amarillo. Like I'd never seen a place like that in my life when I was when I was that little. I was like no idea. It was so interesting to see this other other sides of the country. You know, it was a uh, amazing. Yeah, like the gas the and, the and the the plane scene. Yeah, you know, yeah. is yeah, like so wild. Yeah. Like that little town where there's just four people. It's like, you know, I don't I, that again. Maybe that doesn't exist anymore. No, like even the smallest towns have like um, Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because they they show up there. They don't have a phone, right? There's no phone. Right. There's no phone. There's just a plane. <laughs> there's no, there's no phone, they have a plane. But but also, like, who's reading a that script? checks out. Yeah. Who, who's reading a comedy script? And Adam, this would be like targeted at someone like you. Is like, who's reading a comedy script? But they're like, okay, Adam, what we need you to do is we need you to fly a biplane. And this other actor is going to wrestle you out of it while it's moving. And it's going to be one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Like it just doesn't, there's no world where that. Well, that's the reason though, but that's the reason though, like, you know, um, this movie is the, is like the pinnacle of buddy, of buddy movies. You know, it's like referenced all the time. Hollywood's been trying to make, make it and remake it forever and there are versions of it you know there's like 48 hours and whatever there's never been a version where the two buddies are the bad guys like they are in this movie which i yes. really love yes because it it's like let's that it, it, it excuses all the times robert de niro just like hot wires a car uh <laughs> and so much by the end of it charles gordon is like another car great like, <laughs> you know, I, I, add some more um, felonies yeah yeah uh but um so i think like what this movie does so well is it's casting is especially at the time like it is so relevant to hollywood and who those actors are as personalities 
yes. that it was able to, it kind of was almost, I would say, borderline reality television. And that was the reason that America, I think that's the reason that it really was revolutionary in a way. Um, because it was the first time, like, the reason it's so big is because Robert De Niro was the biggest movie star on the planet. Yeah. And he was so serious. Yes. And so when they paired him with Charles Grodin, who was the biggest, one of the biggest comedic stars on the planet, it was like Hollywood bubbled. You know, it was like, oh, we're going to make De Niro. It was like his first time doing something like that. And Mm -hmm. then... And so I feel like that gives it this like undercurrent of energy that obviously when you rewatch it, you don't know because you're not of that time and you don't understand. But like, that is why it's so good. It's it's the tone is great. The direction is great. But it's really De Niro. I mean, yeah, the the just the, the two of them together. And, and Gro- I mean, Grodin's delivery is just like there's so many lines in that movie that when I was watching it again, I was like, that's that, 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 that would, there's no way that would read funny on the page at all. I'll have tea. Like when he's like, gee, <laughs> gee that's too bad. I really like you. Or yeah, yeah I'll have tea. Like, like those <laughs> things, like those aren't funny lines. Like, mm-hmm. but they like some of the biggest jokes and some of the biggest laughs when I'm watching the movie. And it's all just Groden's delivery. Like, I mean, What's Teresa? What's Teresa? I just love him. It's so funny. And then later when he brings it back and he says to De Niro that he wants the chorizo and he gets mad and he's like, chorizo, that's what I want. I want chorizo. Yeah. But that's like, I think that's great. I mean, to me, to me, the real marvel of this script slash movie is like how much it feels improvised because of how, and and what you would consider to be bad improvising. You know what I mean? Like, Robert De Niro stammers on every line. He repeats it four or five times. He, you know, which is like not great improvising because it adds no information. It's like kind of stalling. You know yeah. what I mean? But for <laughs> some reason, the script is so crystal clear. And I don't think a lot of it was improvised. I think that that like a lot of it was just on the page and those guys are amazing. And like, you know all those interactions of like i'm not hungry yeah i'm hungry no you're not hungry oh he's hungry oh you're hungry now it's like (laughs) that is amazing timing editing acting like it's just so good it doesn't add much information on the like so on the page i don't know if that's there but in this movie it works better than any other movie i've ever seen you know yeah when you got de niro doing that yeah <laughs> there's nothing yeah better. but he's great at it too he's really yeah. and like that's what makes me think that maybe it's not all improvised because like their timing and especially when they're on the train the the the, uh, the first one where he locks him in the bathroom that is <laughs> the timing in the in those conversations are so well well done that it's either like uber rehearsed and charles you you know how you how how like you know, we've done stuff like that where it's like you just rehearse it to death that the dialogue feels like it's improvised. Right. Or it actually is De Niro being like, oh, he's hungry. Jack? Jack, I, th- I think this is illegal. Jack, I don't think you can keep a person in a bathroom like this. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's very claustrophobic in here. There's yeah, no it is. Here. Well, I'll tell you what, when we get to L.A., you can tell the prison psychiatrist all about it. There's no air. There's no ventilation in here. I told you I was claustrophobic. Come on. What do you think I'm going to do? Jump off a train moving 90 miles an hour? 
Jack. 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 What are you doing? What am I doing? Arithmetic. Arithmetic? Maybe I can help you. I am an accountant. Well, you know, I was thinking after I turn your ass in and collect my money, I'm going to open up a nice little coffee shop. How much exactly are you getting for me? I don't think that's any of your concern, but I'll tell you just to, just to tell you. A hundred thousand. hundred thousand? Does that mean you take a hundred thousand to let me go? Not by a long shot. 200,000? I never took a payoff in my life, and I'm not going to start with someone like you. Why not? Because you're a fucking criminal, and you deserve to go where you're going, and I'm going to take you there. And if I hear any more shit out of you, I'm going to fucking bust your head, and I'm going to put you back in that fucking hole, and I'm going to stick your head in the fucking toilet bowl, and I'm going to make it stay there. I have to tell you, a restaurant is a very tricky investment. More than half of them go under within the first six months. If I were your accountant, I'd have to strongly advise you against it. You would, huh? Yeah. Well, you're not my accountant. No, I mean, if I were your accountant... I, I told you. I took you out here... No, I'm just saying that it's a very, very tricky business. And if I were your accountant, I would really strongly have to advise you against it as, a, as an accountant. You're not my accountant. I realize I'm not your accountant. Come here, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, I mean, it's what I love, like, like working with you, Adam, is like, yes, it's very rehearsed, but there's always in every take, you can just throw in a little extra word or a little extra something that just adds so much more, or just like a little, a little phrase snuck in in between everything that's very well rehearsed. And I feel like that's probably what this maybe was. I mean, I saw, yeah. I went to I mean, the I've QA. Worked with, I've worked with De Niro. Oh, that's right. And and like to me, just from like working with him, I think this is this movie is one of the best marriages of like actor director. Like the the trust between leading man director in this movie mm-hmm. and 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 Charles Grodin because he's a, a specific kind of actor as well. You know, like when I was a kid, he used to annoy me. Um, <laughs> like. Because There's he was something... the old dad in our movies, lots of the movies that we saw him. Right, him, right. And he, he was, was just so like, great, and he was yeah. so good, you know. But there, Beethoven. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's something like when you see a lot of what De Niro does, his style or like whatever is this kind of repetition, you know, um, where he'll say something three or four ways before he moves on to the next thing, and so that combination with uh, Martin's direction. It's like he it's like it's like having a, a tool and knowing exactly what to do with it. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that it just showcased it's like he just knew how to showcase De Niro perfectly. And some people don't, as you can see by other movies. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, and a few years ago, I went to the Q&A that uh, PTA did with Martin Brest. After, it was a screening of, of Midnight Run. 
and he and they were just talking about his career trajectory and martin brest said something along the lines of i'm probably gonna butcher it but he said like when i did going in style like i was so uh strict about making it in exactly the way i storyboarded it and it was everything was exactly the way it was written and everything and then he said he went and made beverly hills cop and it was the exact opposite and it was just completely improvised and he was so loose and just completely changed his style of filmmaking and then he said when he made midnight run he was able to sort of merge the two and figure out like this is going to be exactly the way i want to do it but it's also we're going to build within it it's like a, a certain amount of improvisation and so I thought, yeah, it's just, it just all comes together. I watched, I rewatched all three of those this week. And it's just like, I mean, I love those other two movies, but Midnight Run really does feel like a culmination of, of all of it. Just, it's such an Yeah, achievement. it feels like his best work. I mean, like the, there are scenes, like you can tell the scene where um, uh, Grodin is acting like a cop to get the counterfeit money. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. you, can, you can tell that that scene, there's a lot of improv in that scene, especially when he starts talking to the extra. Like the... <laughs> the extra is like um dying laughing this old <laughs> yes. like you can you can see it you know what i mean and that conversation is such a good like you can tell that's improv improvised where charles groden's like i think he says something like um like do you, you see anybody hair? suspicious do you, do you, you see anybody suspicious no i think it's do you see anybody suspicious yes. around here and then the guy goes <laughs> uh no and he goes, do you live around here? <laughs> and then the and guy then... goes, the guy goes about a mile down the road. And so then Charles Grodin like culminates it with, well, then I'd say there's some suspicious people here. <laughs> and it's like the guy is like dying laughing, you know? And, and so like, I'm sure stuff like that feels is improvised, but the, the way that the two of them are together is really like, I bet you there was so a ton of rehearsal that yeah, it, right. that's what it has the feeling to me. Don't you think Charles? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's just there's there's really nothing better than a two shot with two great actors playing great characters like the, the like the two shot on. the yeah. 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 Just the two shot on the bus. Like talk it's about the smoking knowing, scenes. Yeah. Like talk about knowing when to stay out of the way. Like yeah. there's I, I was watching it this past time. It's like there's two different scenes. Like there's a scene of the two of them on the bus and then it cuts to another scene. I think maybe Dennis Freen or something and then comes back to them on the bus. It's the same shot. For yeah. two different scenes, the same two shot, and you and... think, how could they not have gone under there a lot of days? <laughs> yeah, how I mean, are they just... going to New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just the restraint there, and to let those two just play off each other is just amazing. Yeah, um, and yeah. he's the best at that, I think. You know, as far as these comedies go, when I mean, you look at his other work, he really is good at that. He really, he never yeah. puts his own filmmaking above the, the comedy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just the and yeah, it's that command of tone. Like it's really amazing. Like mm -hmm. it, uh, the music, like Elfman's music, like you could easily put something more serious sounding on this, and it could mm -hmm. you could try to put more dangerous sounding whatever like urgency in the in the in the when the helicopter's shooting them in the New Zealand scene. Um, like, but it's like this fun music. And so you're just having a blast with them, even well, though they're Blues in danger Brothers. and getting shot at. Yeah, it's, it's very Brothers. indicative of Blues Brothers. Yeah. You know, it's like, dun -dun -dun, dun -dun -dun. it's almost like the Price is Right music. You know, like, it's like honky tonk. But that was big at the it's time. Like the Western. Especially. It, yeah, it's yeah, a Western. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It has, it, it even feels like television inspired, I believe, at the time. Um, what was that big show with the Daisy Duke shorts and the and the oh Dukes of Hazard flag Hazzard. or Dukes, I feel like yeah. Dukes of Hazard had been around and like you know it was like 
there was this idea that you could lighten the mood. And I think that also comes from both characters being somewhat unlikable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, they're not precious with these characters lives. And like, that is something that you don't get in modern day comedy. You would never have a modern day comedy that follows uh, two criminals. Yeah. Well, he's and- not a, Criminal. He is a criminal. He's a bounty hunter. <laughs> criminal. But he is a dick. I mean, the whole, I mean, we haven't even brought up the scene that everybody brings up, which is, you know, when he goes to visit his ex-wife and sees his I daughter. Scene, and yeah. This last time watching, I have two daughters. I just bawled my eyes out. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, it's a tough scene. I mean, I, it, the my favorite part is when she comes out to offer him the money. Yes. Yeah. That's the best. That's the and, best. It's like she wants he, to do anything and he yeah. turns her down. He's like, yeah. he, I, he, but that's the most likable part of the movie mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. If yeah. he doesn't turn her down. And then he, he is a, the then he he's does, a real piece yeah. of shit. Then he's a real Then you kind of don't care if he did, lives or dies. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that scene you were bringing up too, talking about money, um, as far as showing the development of the characters, like the way that Grodin and De Niro, their characters are starting to trust each other. I mean, there's that hilarious thing where they're looking at, have you had any 20s? And then he looks and De Niro, you know, hits the hand on the, <laughs> like, oh, he's been here. And just the way they're starting to play off each other. And that scene at the house, you need that to kind of help their relationship as well. Yeah. Well, there's this moment, there's this moment where De Niro, they're walking to the house and I don't think he says I'm nervous, but I think it's, it's, it's played yes. that way, right? It's played mm-hmm. like, I don't know what's right. going to happen. And Charles Grodin says to him, this is going to be good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is like such an odd choice uh, of words and dialogue between two people who are strangers to each other. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, De Niro's incredible in that scene, but it's also fascinating to watch Grodin's reactions through the whole scene too, and mm-hmm. how awkward he feels in this, and how he, yeah. And then, yeah, when they go back to the car afterwards, and it's like De Niro's like already a changed man. He's like helping Grodin into the car and like putting his jacket, tucking his jacket yeah. in, tucking his jacket in. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. But then I also yeah. love the moment, where, um, which comes after that, where they go to the thing and the credit cards are canceled. Tickets to Los Angeles, please gonna make our schedule don't worry i'll get you there on time don't have any illusions 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 i'm sorry sir this car's been canceled huh it's been canceled i'm sorry that's a mistake would you please try it again i checked it twice sir please try it again please try it again did you pay the bill shut up i'm sorry sir it's been canceled ma'am that is impossible i pay my bills there is no way that that could be canceled. canceled shut up Please. It's canceled, sir. Would you like to try another credit card? I don't have any other credit cards. Please, would you just try that again? No. All right. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) and Charles Grodin is is playing off of the woman saying that the cards are canceled. Yes. Right. And it's like it's so good the way he does it because he's not going help me. You know, he's not like, no, he's just like, <laughs> he's so like, he's yeah. it, like they're a couple and he's like, he's like, oh, my guy. It's so well played. It's, it's so funny. We'll be back after this quick break. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Adam, you use the great turn of phrase about Martin Bress knowing the tool that De Niro is like using him to perfection but i think that groden like this thing is like two cogs and they both have to work in such harmony and groden can just do any he's like the perfect harmony every time like that scene could be played so different and he just does exactly what is required i think de niro i think robert de niro works best with another straight man yeah i think he robert needs like utmost reality around him to do the job and i think if you look at his most successful comedies like ben stiller is a very good approximation of charles groden yeah yeah it's like they're played real everything is real the frustration is muted we're not outlandish. We're not over the top. We're, we're in these horrendous situations, but we're down to earth and we're grounded and we're played real. And that lets De Niro really shine. I think when De Niro struggles in comedies, it's when the person he's working with, like William Shatner, is like <laughs> huge. Yeah. And Robert can't find his like footing. Jerry Lewis. I mean, I love King of Comedy, but like, infamously they didn't get along like it's like you know i think it's it's like when robert is feels bullshit on you he's like nah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that you know so so how much bullshit did he did, how much bullshit did he detect on you adam um uh quite a bit i would say um we did make no, him, I, did, think, I did make him talk about midnight run for three hours. Uh, you know. <laughs> no, I think he we we got along. I think he liked me. I think I really do think he liked me. Um, I gave him his space. You know, like he he's like really needs his space. But I think again, like similarly, I, I, that movie is crazy that we're in together is is crazy and big and and whatever. But um, you didn't let your process you know, get in his way. No, and Charles, you know I have an extensive process. <laughs> but it's guy guy, I gotta do so much work to get on camera. <laughs> Mostly plastic surgery is what I mean. <laughs> uh there's another moment that I really am obsessed with that I really want to talk about. Um it's well it's kind of a whole scene, but there's one moment in particular. So when De Niro is um when he's taken in by the FBI at the end of the like second act, 
there's basically like three and a half minutes. I, I counted it this time. I like clocked it. Three and a half minutes on like one medium shot of De Niro where he's just at the station where he's making phone calls. And then they go to like reverse shots on the other end of the phone calls. But it's really just De Niro in this one medium shot. Again, the restraint of Martin Brest. It's, it's all you need. It's so good. But watching him, watching De Niro as he figures out the whole thing, like that Marvin made a deal with Serrano's, then he calls uh, Serrano's thug. And then the best moment, though, is like after he hangs up and he looks he looks back and forth in the station. He's like figure, he's like figuring out in the moment what he's going to do, Dwayne, what his plan is going to be. And he kind and of looks hyped. back and then he looks forward and he's he looks hyped back up. and he looks forward. And he, and he does. Kind and, of, like, and, he's like, and then he finally like realizes what he's going to do. And then he call, it's just like yeah. I, I just like I could watch that moment on repeat. It's so yeah. fucking great. There's a lot of like um, stuff like that. He also does one when he's walking alone. They have a shot of him. He's walking alone and he turns back around real quick. He almost looks directly into camera. Talking about. Yeah. And it's like, cause he's hyped up. He's putting it together. He's like, I'm going to do it. Turns around real quick. It's like, <laughs> he's so you know, funny. it almost feels like a mistake, but it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> It's great, yeah. And I him, mean, him, him playing off the kid on the airplane when he's making the yes. fake ID. Oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, a funny scene. Yeah, well, that's something. The script, the script is so well written. You know, it reminds me of Die Hard in a way, like yeah, where it's just like all these little. It's just so simple and well written and well yeah. done. The plane stuff. I'm afraid of flying. Like all this stuff is like it just pays off. Everything pays off. And then the tone of it is so special because of the way that they speak to each other. That it, it really is like the seminal, I think, R-rated comedy. Yeah. And so they it released the same day as Die Hard? Yeah, they released yeah, the same day. The same same day. day. Can you fucking mm -hmm. imagine? Jesus. Yeah. What a time. And it, to it, be it, just alive. like Die Hard too. Like it, just like Die Hard, it's also it's like a it's such a well drawn ensemble. Like just so, yeah, it's many, so well cast. Amazing characters. So well so, cast. The casting, yeah. Yafet Kodo, his looks that he's making. Yeah. I mean, Dennis Farina, I feel like at his absolute best. Who's the guy behind Yafet Koto on the left? Who's in? Oh, he's in, in the he's in Die Hard as well. I think is yeah, um, yeah. Who watches this movie and says, "Okay, now Philip Baker Hall, Sydney, that's the guy I want to make a movie about." Like <laughs> you, have, you have to respect one the guy. level of There's one you have to respect guy. the yeah. level of insanity from Paul Thomas Anderson being like, "Oh yeah, 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 that's the character I'm going to make a movie about that guy." But like I, I can see why he loves this movie because it feels like a Jonathan Demi movie, like the whole ensemble and all the characters. Like the only thing missing is like some live bands that they could have encountered in different bars or casinos <laughs> along yeah. the way. Like that, then it's a Jonathan Demi movie, you know. And that's yeah. But it's like there's something Demi. about not doing that that makes it even more of a comedy, right? You know. And I think like that's to me like that's what what I really why it hits me harder than a lot of those Jonathan Demi movies is that like. It this to me is like almost John Hughes. It, it's yeah. it's like plane it's like plane trains and automobiles. Yeah, is the is right. the is what comes after this. You know what I mean? Like Steve Martin's film career is a direct progression of Charles Grodin's work in Midnight Run. Yeah, and I feel like that line that 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 drawn line is why this movie always does it for me. You know, because it's like there, those movies don't exist. There are no more comedies like that anymore. So this is so you watch this. That's why every Friday night you go. You, like I remember the the blockbuster cover of this, like almost as much as that Michael Douglas movie, uh, Hard Rain. <laughs> Black Rain. 
Black rain. Black rain. Baby. Baby. Hard rain's another one. Babe. Hey. But like, like there's like certain boxes that you just remember at the video store. You know, you're like, I. Both of them had the leather jacket thing too. I mean, how many? Yeah, you got Douglas and. Anyway, have you guys all seen, got to do a little aside because I'm associated with Black Rain, but um, have you guys all been on YouTube and checked out the Babe Supercut for Black Rain? Oh, it's very good. It's you sensational. You need to do that. No. It's no. every time. I, I kind of always considered it like a homoerotic love story and I'm not alone. Somebody put together <laughs> yeah. a supercut for sure. every time they say the word Babe or call each other Babe. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> Happened, baby. What do you see, baby? Baby, I hope somebody's paying you to wear that goddamn suit. It's 85 bucks a pop, babe. Grab your dick and count to infinity, babe. You guys ready? Yeah, baby. You okay, babe? Thanks, babe. You never know, babe. It's done, babe. 911, babe. 911. Seatbelt tight, babe. Here we go, babe. We got the local heat. Hey, Charlie, get your map out, will you, babe? What's happening, baby? How are your lunch, babe? We got good news for you, babe. Come here, baby. Oh, babe, we're just still moving in my mouth. I am taking the silverware, babe, all right? Hey, babe. You're going to have to lose the Kmart time, babe. It's a fire hazard. If you get hit enough, throw your hat on it, babe. What I say, babe? Baby, what I say? Come on, baby. See about me. Come on, babe. You want to play? You and me. Good move. Hey! Master, rise and shine, babe. Yeah, and Yafit Koto had no idea it was a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and also, Adam, the guy, the same guy that's in Die Hard that you're thinking of, he plays an FBI special agent and he's also standing behind Yafit Koto is Robert Davy. That's Robert Davy, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I did. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's oh, the guy. Oh, Vietnam. Yeah. yeah yes. How did I. I, how did I not catch him in Midnight Rivals? He's standing behind. Times. He's standing behind him. He's yeah. just there. I think. He's, yeah. 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 He's Every not. scene would be affected. Does he? He doesn't have a line, does he? I don't think he yeah, has. Yeah, he line. does have a line. He oh, does have a line. There's a couple maybe. lines. Yeah, he's just like they're coming from Amarillo or whatever. Like he brings him a telegram. But I mean, I think this movie stands the test of time, similar to Die Hard One. Yeah. Like I think yeah. it's just like they're both classics to me. You know. Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's only, I think it's only in like the scarcity of movies like this that you relish how much everything works, you know, how, how perfect it is and how calibrated it is. Mm -hmm. It's just like, and also lots of contemporary movies look like that because of, you know, shooting on green screens and things like that, things look terrible. And so when you look at this movie and you're like, oh, that's New York city or that's LAX or that's, you know, that's Chicago. Like, they're there. You can't fake any of this stuff. It looks right. It feels right. And it just, and especially now as you know, some of us are physical media psychos. I know Charles is as well. Like when you're a physical media psycho, when everything gets upgraded onto 4k and you watch these things again and everything looks like as, as good, or if not better than it ever looked at a cinema, you're like the midnight runs of the world of the movies that look that like haven't aged a day. They just look perfect. The only thing is they don't have phones. They don't have stupid phones or computers or those mm -hmm. things, but the tactile feeling of everything is so like you can reach out and touch it. It's amazing. But you see that yeah. like all the, all the like auteur filmmakers, you know, Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson and now Alexander Payne and every, like none of them make movies set now. 
Yes. Yeah. They're all they're all making old period pieces before their cell phones. Yes. It's just like that's just that's where that's where you go because like how, how do you tell a story now with fucking cell phones? <laughs> mm-hmm. Someone will do it. Someone will do it. No, someone will do it. Someone will do it. It's, I feel like it's, it's Soderbergh and Fincher, are the two, I think, like kind of leading the way. They're the ones who are like, we're going to do it. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. We, we, let's make a movie, Adam, where you just, we'll just shoot you just on your phone. Honestly, that's, it should be a love story. Because <laughs> I'm in love with my phone. That's all I want to do. <laughs> I guess Spike Jones did make I, that I'm movie still telling. I'm yeah. still telling Charles, Adam, that he next, if he's making a, some kind of action movie or a thriller and needs to be somewhere set in Australia, get some tax breaks. And so bring Adam Pally to New Zealand, get him to jump into a I've ne- you know, midnight ride. I've never, that. I would love that. I, you know, I've never done like real action, like action, action where like the whole movie is like, what's this set piece? It's going to take three months to shoot. Cause it's like me falling off a building or whatever. Like <laughs> I really want to do that. But also um, I don't think anyone wants to see it. <laughs> there's two people on this show that want to see it, I want to see it. Well, yeah. then you guys can finance it you throw me up a desk I have to ask also because we haven't really touched on many of the side characters so I just want to focus on like how perfect Farina is and how perfect like Joey Pants is and like how perfect Yafet is like all the guys who are in this movie who aren't that central core duo and like, Oh, John Ashton as Marvin. We've spoken a little bit about Marvin, yes. but like all these people that are as part of this movie are just so incredible for their bits. And I just, that's a lost art. I think to Adam that you would probably notice is like, it's only rarely that you get a, an amazing ensemble where someone who is a serious actor just comes in to do like 10 minutes of work on a day or a day's work and well, then leaves. I think the reason for that, honestly, is because, you know, it kind of started with like Ocean's Eleven or whatnot, but like yeah. big, big casts are now like, look at Dune, right? Like yeah. Dune, Dune's uh, supporting actors like Josh Brolin. Yeah. you know and and so there aren't many character actors that you can reference as yeah. like oh that guy was great in this and great in that or she was amazing in this and amazing at that because if it's a movie and it's big business just on the budgets alone even small parts are going to be given to people with giant followings that can yes. boost up the that can hold up a, a tentpole you know so i think what has happened subsequently is that you have a lot of the great uh, character actors moving to TV, but then yeah. when they're in TV, they become the leads. Yeah, because they're the best actors. So you can't book those people in your movies. So, like for an example, someone that Charles and I work with all the time, Tony Hale. Tony Hale is one of the best actors I've ever worked with. He's an Emmy winner for best supporting actor. Mm-hmm. And probably if his career had was 20 years ago, he would be the villain in every major <laughs> action franchise on the planet, right? He would be the next like um Bond villain. Yeah. Yes, he would be Alan Rickman. Yes. You know what I mean? Like truly, that's what he would be. But he's the lead of a he has to be the lead of a television show. Yes. For 14 months a year. And so mm-hmm. he can't do that. It's like the, that kind of uh, separation of the business and stuff has made it where these character actors in the, in the big, like you said, Midnight Rome is like the biggest movie of the year coming out, right? Yes. And they, mm-hmm. it's, they didn't have 
Dan Aykroyd playing Marv. Yeah. You know? And so I think like that is a big difference now. And if you were to make Midnight Run today, you better believe that the Marv role would be like The Rock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it'd be more than one punch. I mean... Yeah, 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 equal yeah. number of punches. <laughs> yeah, every yeah. every no, no, fight no, scene would be like fifteen minutes. This movie would yeah. go for three hours. That's the other thing that this movie has. Yeah, is t- so perfectly attuned to its time. It just goes, mm-hmm. goes, and goes, and goes. Yeah, but like, Mar- like it's true. Like, Marvel would be played by Jamie Fox, and <laughs> he, you know, he would get be be getting paid more than you know the two actors who would be like Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. I want to. I want to. I want to cry. I want to cry. Originally, they did, and they wanted Cher originally instead of Charles Grodin, and like George Gallo, and it was thinking, you know, do we really want to see Robert De Niro like, you know, threaten a and handcuff a woman to a toilet and stuff? So yeah, I mean that that idea of Cher. Yeah. 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 But like, still, like, there were way bigger stars than Groden at the time, for sure. Yeah, yeah he's, he had to he's keep a... auditioning. Yeah, he had to keep yeah. auditioning. And but Adam, you said the great thing, which we now completely doesn't exist, which is like Groden was a favorite on Carson, like the biggest show yeah. in yeah. the world. He would just mm-hmm. go on for like ten minutes and yep. kill every couple of months, even if he didn't have a project on, and yep. people knew his name. They're like, oh, he's. He's one of the, the funniest people. Guy. Yeah, he's yeah. An angry. He's he's like <laughs> there's, and that's always like, so great. That's the trajectory of com- comedy stars, right? Like yes. they're yeah. you know like they always come from from lesser known places and blow it up mm-hmm. in on their first movie, like the Will Ferrells, Zach Galifianakis is you know Sandler's a little different, but Eddie Murphy, like that's yeah. that's the standard trajectory for the TV to film. But Grodin was older at the time. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. in his thirties. It was like mm-hmm. his 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 you know star had already kind of like gone like this, and and after this, like you can't really point to a ton of Grodin's work as superstar Mm-mm. level, you know, of, of his own choosing. Yeah, but you know, I think that that's interesting. I just think, I, I find that to be very very interesting and telling of like what would happen to a midnight run today? I don't mm-hmm. think you would get like, if you want, if, if you wanted to have everybody see midnight run today, I would cast like Leonardo DiCaprio and, Char- <laughs> and Charlie day. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but they would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> or Seth Rogen or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I would, yes, I would want, or I would want to see like who would be the Yafik Kodo? I was just trying to think that. Oh, but those roles, those roles are like forget it. That's yeah. Yafik Kodo. Yafik Kodo would be Kevin Hart. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes. You'd want yeah. it to be Michael be Shea so funnier. much, but it would be Kevin Hart, or you'd want it to. No, be... yeah, but like, but that's the thing is like it would not be cast well yeah. today. No. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's the holy grail for comedic actors, though. Is yeah. to get booked in 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 uh, Midnight Run, even whatever Joey, your generation's Midnight Run is. Even Joey Pants's role, what a killer role! Like, uh, just oh, a yeah. great. Killer. It's just a great. And that's role. his. That's where. 
he put he did that role like 50 times after that because yes. he's so good at it yeah they're like oh <laughs> yeah, yeah we got this billy guy. crystal and gregory hines i'm blanking on the name but yeah where he had like a mohawk bad boys mentioned... well he does bad no. boys like yeah which is another george gallo um, script let me yeah. think right i mean bad boys yeah. is the it, again is like closest to this because there are two amazing actors and comedians yes but that again running scared yes running scared yes yes and i actually i talked about running scared online and joe pantoliano uh, found the tweet somehow and like shared it and he talked about how much fun that was like playing these kind of roles and so i think he missed missed it for sure yeah it was a really good era oh yeah the best I mean, um, George Gow is the greatest. I love what you just said before, Adam. It's like, it is a holy grail. Like, you can't, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we've had our midnight and every. Runner. Well, we have, which is, was like every 10 years, Hollywood does it. They're like, let's get, uh, you know, hot comedic actors and throw them on the road. Yeah. I mean, I made one, you know, and it just wasn't very good. Like, they, <laughs> they you know, and so that that's part, it's like part of, the Hollywood pantheon of like, what's this movie like? It's like Midnight Run. What does that mean? Well, it means mm. it's, you know, two men who can't emote, who learn <laughs> the, who learn something they need from each other on the road. Yeah. You know, due date. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that yeah. one. Mm-hmm. But that the Hangover. Was... Oh, yeah, The Hangover. Well, I was just going to say recently what I sure. think of is that has similar energy and also was sort of received the same and is aging really well in our generations like the nice guys like mm-hmm. oh my god not many, not yeah, many, I love that movie. Obsessed with yeah that movie. the great movie but again that movie's a different time period yeah again mm-hmm. set in another completely different time and detached and everyone's like why isn't there a sequel to the nice guys and it's the same conversation we're having with midnight run it's like why aren't there sequels and we're like well actually they are. can't get wrestler crow to pass the health insurance <laughs> <laughs> oh russ he's living his best life He's riding yeah. scooters in LA. He's riding scooters through Rome. What a legend. Um, but there are terrible Midnight Run sequels. Yes, made right. for the USA with, Network. With Christopher McDonald. With Christopher right? McDonald. Yeah. Did you know this, Adam? I never watched any of that. No. Um, I haven't seen them. I'm afraid I watched to. one and it was, yeah. I watched three uh, in a day as research for this show and I hated <laughs> myself for it. So, uh, yeah, I would just recommend not. Wow. They just don't have the same. It's It's... I can't believe they made so many. Yeah, they made like Were three you- in the same year. They're all like TV movie length. You know, one of them has Jeffrey Tambor in it. Um, you know, they've just got kind of got like cool. these these weird casts. Um, they're okay, but the problem is that they've kind of got like Chris McDonald's playing Jack as a bit of a buffoon. Like it, he's not as accomplished or as smart as the Jack that we see in the movie. So he's always kind of getting put one, put one over on him. And it kind of like, it doesn't, I don't know. It's it's just not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. Well, Jack is not very smart. Like Jack, that that's the thing that's so great about Jack is like that line where Charles Grodin's like, "You're the dumbest bounty hunters ever." Like, <laughs> he, he's talking to Jack. He's yeah. talking about Jack. Like, yes. but mm-hmm. I think De Niro again. Like that is casting. Like De Niro is just like playing at this like way that you know what I mean. That chin up in the air. It's like it's the antithesis of being bad, even though he is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I feel like that's well, why I mean, it works so well. He and John Ashton are like, you know, two sides of the same coin. They're both like, they're both very smart and good at what they do, but they're also kind of idiots. Yes. I, mean, I think De Niro's yeah. a little like, bit, I love a little bit above him. Like De Niro does get the yeah. better of him probably more often, but you know, 
John Ashton gets, gets gets the better of him sometimes as well. Drives up and hits him with the, the car door, and oh, you know, I love it when standing there looking like an idiot, just like, "Oh, is that Marvin?" And when he, he gets hit, when he cancels the, credit the cards, yeah, that's, the best. that's like because yeah. that's like smooth and cool, and you're like, "Oh, this guy yeah. actually is good at what he's doing." Yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead oh, and, and like, pull those I cards. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love, it, and I love that they're like frenemies. Like they hate each other, but they yeah. also love each other. Always like, oh, see you in L.A. See you in L.A. Like they're just always, yeah. they're always getting the better yeah. of each other, fucking each other over, and then yeah. just being like, yeah, I'll see you in L.A. Watch your cigarettes yeah. with him, Jack. You know, like, oh god, right. the best. And I'm glad they didn't kill off Ashton like they thought they were going to. Yeah, yeah. they were going to. No, yes. that, yeah. That, it's like that tone like they just no. I'm, yeah they, they, i don't know if it was know. i don't know if it was martin brass or whoever made that decision it was i think it was martin you know and George that, together that's not that right for like, that we tone can't, we can't no. we can't kill marvin we can't they need him at the airport at the end they're yeah. having trouble figuring out how to play that yeah yeah like yeah. You, you watch you watch beverly hills cop and like there's like squibs going off people are getting brutally killed like and it, that's <laughs> that's not what you see in this movie no, no. very but, very but, different yeah one of the things i wanted to, to say about the movie is that again script is so airtight it reminds me a lot of breaking bad in a lot of ways because it keeps it the whole point of it is to get the viewer into these situations where you're like well they can't get out this is Mm -hmm. the end and that happens like three or four times even at like minute 50 uh you're like you know they're surrounded by shooters and the police and you're like they're literally getting arrested you're like well this is the end of the movie now how could (laughs) the cops are holding them there's uh, gunmen on the thing and then all of a sudden marv pulls up <laughs> and it's like it's so it just works so well and then they call it back with the discs at the end it's like you know again they, they don't i think part of the reason that that you don't see comedies like this is because they don't they don't spend the time making the script as good as the action movies like yes. this yes yeah. and if the script was as good as those great movies and is airtight it, and and like Charles said, everyone got out of the comedian's ways. I think you would get a lot more stuff like this, mm-hmm. you know? Well, speaking to Charles as a last point before we maybe lose you. Um, Sorry. I had it pointed out to me that <laughs> Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning feels a lot like Midnight Run because Gra- the Grace character is like the Duke who's running away constantly yeah. and right. taking them into a situations that you possibly can't get out. And I was only talking to Clay Keller, one of our previous guests who looked at the poster on my wall and was like, you know, that movie in Midnight Run, they share like a lot, like the, the guys who made uh, Mission Impossible clearly like Midnight Run and like that idea that <laughs> someone doesn't want to be caught and keeps taking yeah. them into these escalating situations and there's no way they could possibly get out and they get out and then they get out again and then they get out yeah. again. And it's like, ah, oh, that, and just talking to you now, Adam, and you're like, yeah, the action movies do it better in some respects, but they, but there's not a comedic element like a Charles Grodin. That is that person. Right. That's trying to but but I think, I think again, the important thing of that is that the comedic element is not just Charles Grodin. It's Charles yes. Grodin with Robert, Robert De Niro. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's, that's what's missing is that yes. like perfect alchemy and now it's like this would be john cena and zach efron <laughs> you know or like stop uh, stop coming up with combinations Adam, every combination no every combination hurts stop. every combination it's true, hurts it stings. it's true though it's yeah, true no it's true yeah no because like you've got charles groden against a saint bernard it's not the same when you get charles <laughs> yeah. groden and de niro like it's a very special chemistry mm-hmm. there for sure completely yeah, and I think that's it's like it all has to do with that and then an amazing script. Yeah. 
kind of yeah. like the perfect match of you guys today. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. The perfect chemistry. The perfect chemistry. Yeah. No one has ever said that about us, Charles. Even in our film. <laughs> Um, uh, by, by the way, I want I want to see a Mission too. Impossible movie with Charles Grodin. By the way, that sounds that sounds excellent. Can yeah. we bring the Charles yeah, Grodin yeah. element into in. Mission Impossible? He'd, he'd, he'd be a he'd be this great secretary. He'd be a great secretary, begrudgingly. Charles Grodin listening. Mission Impossible would be like, can I be six? Yeah. <laughs> he'd be questioning everything. Yeah. Well, if there's no six and there's no five, am I just seven because you made me seven? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to run to a plane? You know, you know. actually, uh, I won't have a martini. Drinking is bad for you. Yes. <laughs> this has been Midnight Run Through with Blake Howard and Jen Johans. We'll be back next week with another episode. But until then... See you in the next life. See you in the next life. Now to close, here's the trailer for Night Owls, starring Adam Pally, written and directed by Charles Hood. Yeah. Hey, Peter. I'm in Will's house. Okay. Well, you need to explain to me why you're there. I, I, I After you guys left the banquet, I met this girl, and then I, I went back to her house. Wanna go upstairs? Hello? Lady? Only problem is it's not her house. It's uh it's Will's house. Where is she now? I have to call you back. No. Lady! Hey, get up! Did you take something? Did you take something? Doctor, thank you so much. We're not out of the woods yet. You're just gonna have to keep her awake. Keep her awake? What happens if she falls asleep? Well, then her brain will stop sending the signal to her lungs that she needs to breathe. But you're not gonna let that happen. Do we have to worry about that, do we? Uh. I would like to know why we are in my boss's house. Don't let her talk to anyone. That's for you. Don't let her leave. <laughs> that might be a bit of a challenge. I am begging you, do not back out of this door. Dude, let go. Oh. <gasps> How's it going there, champ? You know, I think I'm pretty good. Everything seems to be under control. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. 
New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.